0: Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemeczek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Our conversation today is the second of two episodes looking at the core process of PIR Ministries, the, the Pastor-in-Residence program. And this time we're focusing on what it's like for a pastor and spouse to be a pastor-in-residence, and how the experience brought hope, healing, and restoration. Uh, but first, Sean, I'm going to ask you again, if you'd kind of give us the, the flyover version of all the technical jargon we're using when we talk about the PIR program.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to point out uh, first that a lot of pastors will face forced exit at some point or another. So even before we get into this, pastors, you may be thinking, this doesn't apply to me it might in the future. So I just encourage you to listen, uh, pay attention, because this may be something you can use in, in the future. So the PIR process is, is our core process in helping pastors who've been forced out of ministry. PIR stands for Pastor in Residence, Uh, It's the pastor who uh, has been forced out, is now serving uh, on a part-time basis in one of our refuge churches. Uh, The refuge church is the place of healing. And within the refuge church, we uh, set up a support team, which is a small group of people uh, who are trained by us to walk alongside the pastor uh, and spouse and help them heal for six uh, to 12 months. So P-I-R stands for Pastor in Residence. Refuge Church is the new church where they're finding healing. And Support Team is the group of people who come around the pastor and spouse to help them heal.
0: Sean, you do that so well. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the clarity you bring to to what can sometimes sound like a, a just a bunch of jargon in, in a little muddy, muddy, so thank you for that. Uh, today, we're we're talking with Seth McCumber, who, with his wife, uh, was in the Pastor-in-Residence program. Uh, Seth feels blessed to have heard God's call to ministry at the age of 13, at which point he pursued youth ministry through serving in his church. He and his wife, Melody, grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin, and were married in 2014, Moving to Chicago, they served in the church throughout Seth's education at Moody Bible Institute. And after graduating with a BA in youth ministry, they moved north, where he received his Master of Divinity through Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And during their time at Trinity, Seth served as youth director over middle and high school ministries at local church They uh, have one daughter, Cadence Joy, what a wonderful name, and are thrilled for the opportunity to minister reconciliation both inside and outside the church, which I know is born from your story that you're going to share with us today. Seth McCumber, welcome to Hope Renewed.
2: Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Good to be on this podcast with you guys.
0: So there's so much that we could talk about that we'd love to talk about ministry and what you're doing now and how God's at work in, in your life now, but you're, you're so kind to join us today to talk about your experience as a pastor in residence and uh, uniquely that was there at Bethel Church where you're now serving uh, on mm-hmm. staff as the pastor of youth and outreach but share what it, with us what it was like to engage in the PIR process, just maybe how you came to it or, or just what the entire experience was like for you and Melody.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's probably unique to me uh, more than others, because I know someone that has been working with PIR for many years. He was actually my youth pastor growing up. And so I'd been familiar with PIR uh, just kind of through him over the years, as I heard how he, um, after his own story, uh, participated in PIR at a church, and then also came on staff at that church, which is also Bethel uh, in both ways, which is (laughs) kind of ironic as well. But uh, he continued to serve while being a pastor and still serves while being a pastor at uh, at Bethel church, and he's also doing PIR. So I had come to know PIR, honestly, through him before, uh, even as Sean said, before I ever thought I would ever need something like that. And I honestly never would have thought I would have needed that. Mm. Um, you know, you don't go into ministry, at least I didn't go into ministry thinking, uh, I would do anything that would uh, cause me to be forced out of ministry. And yet things happen. Uh, sin is deceptive and, uh, just, uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. But for me, just to share briefly my story for those uh, listening and, uh, it's never something that I enjoy to, to talk about in a sense, except, to uh, ideally give God the glory for what he's doing now and my wife and my life and with my daughter cadence has a, has a picture of restoration for us as well. But uh, for me, as, as I was serving in full-time ministry and pursuing full-time schooling for my masters of divinity, uh, I ended up falling into an affair um, completely to my own fault, never to the fault of my wife, uh, just my own uh, past sins coming back to haunt me in ways that I never thought. And And because I never really fully dealt with shame in the past and how to truly handle some of those darker, darker sins that uh, we kind of like to conceal and just deal with God about, but don't deal with anyone else. um, It ended up just coming, coming back in ways, again, that I would have never, never thought I could have done. I even remember when I first stepped on campus at my college uh, at Trinity, I had a friend that right away was just like, you know, it's like one in 10 students here end up having uh, an affair, end up having moral failure. And mm-hmm. I was I was just shocked. And I was like, well, praise the Lord, it's not going to be me. And mm-hmm. I think that was part of the issue I had uh, was just mm-hmm. this naivete, this uh, prideful ignorance that I am not susceptible to sin in certain mm-hmm. ways. And what I've realized um, through my own sin, but also through PIR, uh, through the graciousness of Uh, our host church and the graciousness of my support team. Uh, I I remember hearing many times from them and even from uh, my old youth pastor who mentored me in much of this time as well. They all were saying the same thing as, you know, we're not that far away from those sins either. We're not that far away from making the same mistake. Um, And that was a perspective I just didn't have. And so uh, after I uh, fell into that and, and finally came back out and pastor Jason Oh, am I supposed to say his name?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, (laughs)
2: yeah,
0: he's a good guy, Jason. He (laughs) is a great guy, Pastor Jason. Been on Hope Renewed before, so yeah, that's
2: right. So Pastor Jason and his wife and family uh, were extremely gracious to take uh, me in uh, for a full week there, and uh, they didn't even try to force me. In fact, they were kind of pulling me back from PIR as my wife and I began our own journey of healing. A lot of counseling a lot of uh, many hours of just talking and fleshing out sin and painful things, but things that ultimately brought a lot of healing and restoration long-term. Pastor Jason was very gentle. And, you know, I had the senior pastor here was, was like, no, you need to get into that PIR program. We we need you in ministry here. And Pastor Jason's like, hold on, slow down. It's not about him getting back into ministry. Uh, And so when I think about PIR, that's one, one, key thought that comes into my mind over and over again is that PIR really isn't about just getting back into ministry. Um, the big thing that I took away was that it's discerning what does God had have, have next for me and for my mm-hmm. wife and for my family. I think that mm-hmm. was relieving stepping into the program because I think there's a lot of fear for my wife and I, a lot of concern of, you know, I still felt called to, to youth ministry. That had been my call since 13 years old. And so to have 12 years pursuing that to be dropped off of it because of moral failure. You know, it was an identity check for me. It was a purpose mm-hmm. check. <laughs> just what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? And I think it helped almost alleviate some pressure that, you know, we're just looking for what, what does God have next with no assumption that that was going to be ministry or not ministry, uh, just pursuing, pursuing God's will with other godly people who are going to support us with love and grace. Yeah. And
0: boy, isn't that, uh, I really appreciate you bringing that out because it's such a crucial perspective to understand um, uh, about this process, but about what God's doing in this process, mm-hmm. that, that it's not about, oh, let's you know, get you back in the saddle. Let's get you to be productive again and doing things when the Lord is concerned about our hearts. He's concerned about, like you say, our identity, about yeah. our understanding who we are, uh, kind of that being and the healing that needs Mm -hmm. to to take place there. Uh, And so I really appreciate that you highlight that that was really key to your experience then as you and Melody went through not only your um, uh, initial healing from the particular things that were going on in your life, which again, I think that's so great that you highlighted that that PIR as a process, there are some things it's not intended to do. Uh, And so there was some work you had to do before you could come into that process, and that that Certainly. was so important uh, that they could make it um, that much more impactful uh, for mm. you. So, yeah, as you as you guys stepped into then the the PIR process, what what was that like for you?
2: You know, it was it was initially intimidating, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Again, we had uh, we had to sh- we shared our story, our testimony, even in the the rawness of it, pretty early on with close people people that we were that we trusted uh, family that was going to be around us to help us through it give us the space we needed when we needed it and it felt like you know we're almost forced as we step into this PIR program to divulge again our story and to open up ourselves to potential uh, honestly to p- potential judgment shaming mm-hmm. uh there's just that residual fear I think that that sits and lingers after you've experienced that, you know, both on my wife's side and just the having to bring up those emotions of it all again, and then on my side and the shame of it. So initially stepping into it is kind of concerning, uh, but then it only took the one meeting uh, of meeting the people that were chosen from the church to really let us settle, (laughs) settle into our seats and take a, take a deep breath because they, they just lavished us with love. They really did. I think one of the, things I loved so much about PIR was not simply that it supported me and helped me process, but just the level of care that it brought to my wife. Um, I think spouses, most pastors understand that spouses take sometimes a greater brunt of the the ministry burden than we do um, for various reasons. And so I think the same can come with this type of uh, this failure on my end is that there's a, maybe a heavier burden that she had to bear than even I get to uh, emotionally. And so to have people that um, were able to care for me, but then also advocate for my wife in that, that process and ask questions that maybe I wouldn't have thought have uh, thought of in those moments as they're even trying to address things with me and, and what ministry might look like or what God might be doing in me. They're very careful to uh, come around my wife and make sure like, how does, how do you feel about this? And what is your perspective of this? And do you think, you guys are at that place where you want to pursue whatever it may be. Um, and I think that was just uh, again, every time we meet together and have those moments where um, I can think of one specific couple that every time they talked, it was like my wife and I just like sat down and just were like, thanking the Lord for the peace that we were feeling from that couple as they mm. shared their heart with us and uh, really just ministered the comfort of our Lord to us in those moments. And, mm and I think the process is good for so many reasons, but I think even just forcing us to be in a, a support group of people that are sharing the love of Jesus with us that intentionally was, uh, I think everyone could benefit from that, whether you need to do a PIR ministry or not. <laughs> yeah.
1: mm. So not every, uh, pastor who goes through the PIR ministry comes in through moral failure. Some are just forced out through conflict, uh, through no fault of their own, but, um, uh, some come through burnout. Uh, so what, what was the importance of the Refuge Church for your story, for, for you and for Melody specifically?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, thinking about Refuge Church, it's bigger than just our small group of people mm-hmm. as well. And so, you know, having a, having a sin like I had, it felt like the biggest sin I could have ever committed, worst thing I could have ever done. And Rightfully so, I think there's a level like, yeah, I needed, I needed to feel that, I need to understand that. But then that, that builds into me a concern of stepping into a church, and what happens when people start to find out? What are they going to think of me? What are they going to say? What's the senior pastor going to think? You know? And so being able to step into a refuge church where uh, the key leaders are fully aware of our story, and then to even have, you know, I sat down with uh, the senior pastor and one of the the key elders and they just wanted to hear my story and they just let me talk. And the amount of just grace that poured out of them (laughs) in that moment was, again, it just started to break down the walls that I'd built up. I think Hmm. Um, the concerns that I had built up around me to protect me and to protect my wife from any further hurt. In a sense, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that I can keep us safe from this point forward from people uh, maybe respond in a way that would hurt us or hurt my wife, especially. So I think having just those key leaders and the senior pastor just right away, sit down and be so open and loving and not, not a hint of shame, you know, acknowledging the sin for what it was. Certainly they didn't shy away from calling it out, but then empathizing with their own mistakes and then just saying like, Hey, we believe God has something so much bigger for you and your wife. Uh, we believe in reconciliation. And I think mm-hmm. stepping into a church like that, which I think would be all the refuge churches where they're, they want to mm-hmm. see restoration and reconciliation within the marriage and, and just in relationship with the church. Uh, there is just a, a joy that comes with that. Even um, mm-hmm. a joy that I hadn't felt for a while, to be mm-hmm. honest, it was hard to feel joy. Um, it was hard to feel happiness. Um in a lot of the process. And I think my wife would say the same. And so I think having a refuge church kind of wrap us in their arms, helped us uh, feel some of that joy again, feel some of that that happiness to be in church and to be in a community of people that are there to love on us as Christ uh, has loved us.
0: And while you were in the PIR process, you were involved in ministry at, at a certain level. Um, yeah. To describe yeah.
2: that a little bit for us. Yeah. So again, it was, a wonderful opportunity for me because I got to work with my former youth pastor, Pastor Jason. So that that had always been a dream of ours. And so as we were doing the, the PIR, I was doing about 15 hours a week or so here at the church. And primarily I was helping out with youth ministry. Um, but then also I was helping out with men's ministry. So those are two, my my two main areas of focus. And so I would just go <laughs> enter in and sit by Jason and we'd honestly end up just talking a lot about, uh, what God is doing in our lives, the reconciliation (laughs) and restoration we're seeing, Mm -hmm. and then working together on how can we see this not just for ourselves from our own different pasts, but same process forward. um, How can we then see that implemented for the men of the church? How can we see that implemented for the youth of the church? And so uh, I would help lead some of the men's groups on Sunday mornings. I would sit and help develop some of the curriculum with pastor Jason and then after a great conversation with the youth pastor at the time, uh, he's like, no, you should definitely come on and, and serve. And so my wife and I both were serving in the youth ministry. And that was built into then part of uh, my responsibilities here at PIR.
0: And yet there, there is in the in the PIR process a decreased emphasis on ministry, uh, on the performance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, did you experience that in in Oh, tip my hand a, a freedom that you feel <laughs> that i don't have to think about how people are rating me on the ministry job i'm doing that, that i'm free to just lean into this whole process of grace and and renewal and and uh, uh reconciliation
2: yeah yeah it was freeing uh, and, and honestly the part of that was again how intentional the pastoral staff was to make sure that i wasn't overstepping that makes sure that they weren't asking too much of me, uh, as I was starting to step back into ministry. So they were very quick to pull me back when I needed to be pulled back and say, no, 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 go home with your wife. You don't need to be here this late. You don't need to stay for this. Make sure you're emphasizing the things that need to be emphasized right now. Uh, so I think even that th- what they did for me, they hard- started helping me create boundaries that I didn't have before creating a structure that, um, Uh, Just in my past, I I was not good at creating for myself because, again, I think a lot of pastors realize and and can relate that uh, ministry is addicting, that there's an addictive nature to serving and to studying and to being engaged with other people in this process of spiritual life that's really enjoyable, uh, but it can very quickly overcome than other priorities that are supposed to be higher. Such as family and prioritizing uh, that time. And so they helped me create a lot, a lot better boundaries, which then did give me the freedom and enjoyment to just enjoy what I could accomplish for the day. And at the end of the day, if I didn't feel like I had enough done, well, we just learned how to say, well, God must have only wanted that to be done today. And now I'm just going to go enjoy my wife.
1: <laughs> mm. So, Seth, uh, can you give us just a sense of what the timeline uh was like how how long was it before you entered the pir process how long did your pir process last um what what was it like
2: yeah you know it was about about a year and a half until i entered into it so we we did pretty intense counseling for a solid year every week uh, i was going you know driving an hour one way for counseling just to make sure we had the the right counselor that's always a, a big part of it you know i think mm-hmm. everyone should go to counseling at some point in their life to be honest and but finding the right counselor is half the battle and so i'm thankful that we had a, received very quickly from our church again god's provision coming to this church there was a, a couple that had very recently um come out uh, to tell their their testimony of a similar failure um, to their small group and so they heard about my story and my wife's story and they came and sat down and talked with us through some of uh, what they felt and the things that they had to experience as well, which was helpful on our end to, to be like, okay, we're not alone. This has happened to others. Not that we want that to be the case, but it was, it was just that comfort of like, okay, someone else has gone through this and made it to the other side. Uh, but then they very quickly recommended us to specific counselors, which was just a huge blessing. And so we waited we counseling for a solid year. Then we did marital counseling for uh, six months after that. And so the, the initial counseling was just our own, figuring out our own issues and mm-hmm. things to deal with. Um, and then, again, part of that was just learning how what it meant to just attend church, to just participate in, in that worship service. And so it took us, I mean, we, we didn't jump, I don't know, I guess, what the regular process is, how long in between an exit and an entrance into the PIR program, if there's any. So for me, it felt long in a sense, because mm-hmm. um, I honestly had in my heart just like i know this is what god still wants me to do i just i'm convinced of it so i wanted to jump in um but so it was about a year and a half for us that we finally um were both accepted and decided that we were ready to do that um, both for my sake and also of course my wife's Mm -hmm. and then the process itself was six months so we did on the shorter end and i i somewhat attribute that i think we could have done it longer except for the fact that having uh, one of the PIR leaders as one of my, honestly, one of my best friends that I have these days, uh, allowed me to almost step into some of the questions of PIR, some of the processing of PIR before we even stepped into the to the official ministry itself. Um, you know, he and his wife would walk with my wife and I through different, different aspects that as we went through the PIR process with our church itself. I was like, oh yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> I mm-hmm. know this sounds familiar, but it, it then produced even more fruitful conversation because it's not the first time through. And like, oh, okay, this is what we thought the first time. And now here we, we can dig a little bit deeper. And so we did it for six months. And then by the grace of God, somehow it just worked out <laughs> in God's plan that I ended up uh, just a few months later, they opened up a position here for a youth pastor and outreach. And uh, it just was a, a natural fit. I, I always say to people it's about as easy as it gets to have already been attending the church for almost, uh, you know, two to three years, already be serving in the youth ministry and then to become the youth pastor. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's about as easy as it gets. So I praise the Lord for that.
0: And, and highly unusual. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, <laughs> probably is. And,
0: yeah. And, and I, you know, you talk about Bethel and, and both you and Jason uh, experiencing your, your PIR process there and then coming on staff. Uh, I honestly can't think of any other PIR process where that that has happened. Uh, So it's 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 highly and I just bring that up so that our listeners uh, can understand Mm -hmm. that that that's not the goal. That's not the intent of the PIR process that that someone would come to serve on the staff of Mm -hmm. the Refuge Church. And in fact, highly, highly unusual, Uh, but totally within the Lord's sovereign Leadership to you know uh, call and place people as he will.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that was pretty clearly communicated to us as well. Um, mm-hmm. There was no, you know, in fact, Pastor Jason and his wife kept saying, "Well, we're gonna miss you when you're done with this program, and God calls you somewhere else." Like they said that so many times. I'm like, mm-hmm. just stop it already. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't want to leave now. I want to be here.
0: <laughs> and well, as as you highlighted, how important it was for you to have that freedom not to think of you know, this is like an extended job interview, or, you know, I'm being uh, examined on my ministry here, uh, that that I'm simply finding the healing and restoration of my soul yeah. uh, with God. And then however he shapes and, and continues to draw me into his call on my life mm-hmm. is up to him. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, again, we, we highlight uh, that you know, the call will probably, will most likely look very different uh, after PIR process. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that we need to be open to uh, for that healing to take place. Um, backtracking just a little, you know, you mentioned, okay, it was kind of intimidating starting the process, but the love and grace of the people that surrounded you really dealt with that rather quickly. What What other challenges did you guys find coming into this process and going through it?
2: Hmm, That's good. You know, in particular with the, uh, PIRs, like, so outside of just the small group, is that okay? Mm -hmm. I think stepping back into ministry was for me a really difficult aspect. And my wife is just so wonderful and gracious that she did it with such, uh, such grace and ease stepping back into ministry aspects. Um, so she's wonderful. I think for me, the, uh, the challenge was kind of going back into a role where I'm helping prepare and feeling like, man, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't be preparing this material. You know, again, those insecurities then come through of, I don't have a right to be teaching any of these guys something. Uh, I don't have the right to be stepping into ministry when I've done something so horrible. And, you know, I think that's a lot of the enemy. As I've processed more, it's a lot of that shame talking. And again, that was one of the beautiful things about PIR was helping them almost beat those down for me and, and remove some of those barriers that I had, Uh, because some of the guys that were in our, our support team were people that I was then maybe teaching that next Sunday at our, our men's men's group on that Sunday morning. And so to hear from them, how much they enjoyed seeing me teach, uh, because they knew the story and to see how God was at work in in and through brokenness to bring about something greater, uh, it, it began to lessen that concern. Uh, and it really reminded me that ultimately it wasn't about me in those moments of teaching anyways. It's about lifting up the gospel, lifting up God's name high. Um, and so I, I think that's something I, I had to learn over and over again and, and continue to remind myself is that, you know, my, my past and, and the difficulties that I face now and in stepping into certain areas of ministry and, and getting some pushback here and there from people that find out is that it really isn't about me. It's just about God's glory. It's figuring out how can we keep lifting him high? How can I keep pointing back, back to the cross and help other people see the wonderful, wonderful grace that our savior does have for those who are willing to turn and repent. And so I think that, that honestly continues to be uh, something that is a challenge. That was a challenge at PIR and it is a challenge even now today is those thoughts that creep back in of like, you shouldn't be doing this. You remember what you did before. You remember how much mm-hmm. you screwed up last time. Like you should. You don't have any right to tell about Jesus. You don't have any right to tell uh, to teach these kids this or to teach these men this. Um, and so that was something I had a hurdle to, to get over. But I think not on my own accord, but by God and the people that are, uh, He brought around me was able to slowly but surely get over that insecurity. Mm-hmm.
1: So Seth, sometimes we hear people say uh, that when someone has had a moral failing, uh, that they shouldn't be in ministry again. Um, we disagree. Uh, we we often say that's that may be true. Um, you know that one of the successes of the the PIR program sometimes is that people realize yeah ministry isn't a good place for them and they shouldn't be there. Mm. Um, but how would you respond to that type of criticism? Cause I don't know if you've heard it, but, um, oh, yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty sharp thing to experience.
2: Yeah, it is. A, it's a challenge to hear that. Certainly. And I had, I had to wrestle through my own thoughts of that is, mm-hmm. and am I really able to be back in ministry given what I've done and gone through? Um, What I've learned, how I've learned to respond, and I hope I was like this when I first heard those pushbacks from people, and still do, uh, is just to be uh, gracious about it as well, and not to be offended, and understand that you know, and I think when most people are saying that, it's because they do have a high view of the of the pastoral call, and I respect that, and I, I want to have that same high view that there are requirements that are to be met and there's a level of uh, seriousness that needs to be taken into consideration. And so I think when people, and I've, you know, we've even had not too many, we've received a lot of grace, but we had a, you know, a few people that really pushed back and, um, because going into ministry kind of stepped away from our friendship. And, you know, what I see that as is really just, again, their, their high view of the call of ministry, um, and the importance of, um, of what we're called to do as ministers of the gospel. And so uh, I want to make sure I communicate that there's a lot of grace for that response, because again, (laughs) I've, I've just realized, you know, I just, I always quote first Timothy and just say with Paul, I'm the worst of all sinners and but grace be to God. It's because he wants to show his abundant grace by saving someone like me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think of that verse um, I think of uh, the idea that, that in is it first or second corinthians i can't think off the top of my head second corinthians for sure boasting in weakness and a thorn in the flesh Mm and uh and then i think maybe that same area talking about the ministry of reconciliation that uh, we've received from god to then be ministers of reconciliation and looking at uh, you know scripture as a whole and seeing the stories of i mean everyone probably goes to it right away i mean i had someone right away that said have you read psalm 51 recently and i'm like Yes, I have read it. Thank you for that recommendation, though. Um, but thinking of David and Bathsheba and, and thinking of how God still used David as king, uh, thinking of Paul, again, uh, in that passage of 1 Timothy, he's talking about, you know, he was persecuting the church. He was a blasphemy. Like he was pushing against everything, and yet God chose to call him to ministry. Uh, and so I think I, I'm able to see different examples throughout Scripture that show very broken people, very fallen people, not just, you know, not just the weak people that didn't have much education, but people that had some big failures in life that God still rose up and encouraged and called into pastoral ministry. Um, and so even the way I see, um, and again, this was through some a lot of study and also making sure with the pastors here, like I'm not just, I didn't want to just read these things as I wanted to interpret them. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure like, what do you guys think? Is this, am I seeing this correctly? What what is your view? And and as I looked at the list of requirements for, for pastoral ministry, you know, they kind of said, you know, that's in the past. And so from this point on, it's just constantly, are you a one woman man? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to take into consideration anything from your past. In a sense, it's about how are you living for God today? And, you know, if, uh, if something were to happen where I didn't line up anymore with those that list of requirements, any of those going forward, well, then, yeah, that would disqualify me from that point. Uh, but then there is the blessed restoration that can happen in our gracious Savior. Um, so again, it's really just pointing to the gospel and uh, trusting that the leaders that God has placed around me also have biblical wisdom and and spiritual discernment to have encouraged me uh, to pursue pastoral ministry still.
0: And that—that's really the nature of uh, what this whole process is about—is understanding grace and—and uh, and the power of it, and that grace is not simply a sweeping under the rug of things. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's dealing with the heart issues, mm-hmm. but with a restoration in mind, with—with with that uh, reconciliation in mind, uh, and I think that's what makes it so powerful. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think what what I was going to say is that um, one of the things I appreciate as you're telling the story is the slow uh, approach, making sure uh, that what needed to be healed is healed first. And your um, walk with God is being tested and watched Mm -hmm. by those around you uh this isn't just something that uh, you just jump right back into ministry but it's a slow process to make sure uh that you're ready again um for that or maybe even more ready than you were the first time um (laughs) uh, how too true (laughs) how how has walking through this pir process impacted you uh in your approach to ministry
2: you know part of it is even what you just described in the slowness (laughs) in the taking the time to have the first things first and then figure out what the next step is and then sit there for a little bit and then figure out what the next step is. Uh, and so part of how PIR has impacted the way I think about ministry and even just how I, again, primarily I do youth here. That's majority of my job. And so how I disciple, um, has changed because of PIR in the sense that that level of just sitting and soaking, (laughs) and not rushing to something else, not trying to push a student a certain direction. You know, uh, You know, it's. I think it's easy, I would say probably in ministry in general, for us to think we see the solution for, the, for uh, someone we're discipling and to wanna to just point it out and to almost give like, this is what you're supposed to do, now go do it. Mm. And what I think PIR, the process really helped was that it was a lot of questions. <laughs> It wasn't a lot of them teaching us in a sense. It wasn't the, the support team telling us, okay, you screwed up here. So this is, you need to make sure you have these things in place. If you ever want to consider ministry again, you have to make sure that you never do this again. And you have to, you know, it wasn't that it was a process. It was processing life together. Um, and I think that's what discipleship is, honestly. Um, and I, but that's why it's shifted me is it's easy to, especially with youth to want to fall into a man. I can see I can see what decisions you're making and I know what you need to be doing. And I just want to tell you what it is, but instead stepping back and just being way more inquisitive, just keep asking questions and just keep listening and and showing grace in how they respond and don't expect a certain answer and don't expect to push them a certain direction after one or two or three meetings, uh, allow that space of, I mean, six months of meeting up every other week or so, uh, with the support team, let alone all the time, Mm -hmm. then, the pastoral staff here that's a lot of intensive discipleship when you think about it Mm. and so it's it's reminded me you know discipleship is a a process that often can take many many meetings a lot of hours uh, and there's a a beautiful part of that that reminds me you know i'm not here to force uh, transformation that's the work of the spirit and so I just want to be attentive to what God is doing in those moments, just as the support team and the pastoral staff was attentive to me and my wife and our, our needs of the soul uh, to be able to step back into ministry and really just to be restored to each other. Um, so it's, it's really shifted the way, you know, I just had a, a youth leader meeting last night and we were just talking about discipleship again. And it just, it, again, I was thinking about this podcast and I'm like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is it don't don't be in a rush just enjoy being with students and walking with them through life and ask them questions
0: it just sounds like there's so much discovery that went on in your process
2: yeah
1: hmm. can you uh, just for a moment uh tell us a little bit about melody uh, and how this process was for her
2: yeah certainly uh let's see she is an angel <laughs> uh, she is wonderful. We were high school sweethearts, and so we've been together. You know, we're going on our uh, what is it? Eight year anniversary in May for marriage. Uh, we've been together for an additional three or four years uh, beyond that, and so uh, she is about as steady as they come. Uh, I honestly, uh, I think that was one of the reasons God blessed us to be together. Is I'm kind of a a spitfire often. <laughs> I can just go, go, go constantly be around. But that also comes with a little more uh, vacillating sometimes. Uh, And she has just been through all of the seasons of marriage, uh, a steady rock. You know, she has just been calm and and able to bring me down and actually have some real conversation uh, that's both logical and also realistic with uh, what's going on in the situation. Sometimes I can get a little too ahead of myself. And I think the same was true for this PIR process for her. Uh, you know, she was actually—it almost feels wrong, but I would say like she was almost uh, one of the key parts for me in the in the PIR process of just mm-hmm. how steady she still was, despite everything we had gone through and all the pain that I had caused her. Uh, she just really didn't ever waver. Um, you know, and she didn't waver from her faith. She didn't waver even in her love for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a level that in the process itself she was just a steady you know it was i constantly wanted to ask her and the, the support team constantly asked like hey if, if ministry is where you guys are going to go is that something that you're willing to do melody and it was the response was just always the same like, if that's god what if that's what god wants then yeah <laughs> like no no big concern in her no mm. fear uh, in a sense uh, on her end
0: but how important to be able to process that
2: yeah exactly and yeah. that's that's the thing is, like you said, there's a lot of discovery in conversation as questions come that you're like, oh, I didn't even realize I felt that way. (laughs) Or I didn't even realize how calm my wife has been in this process as thinking about ministry and how, you know, as the support team would be like, you know, there's a lot of challenges that could come back up with that and a lot of triggers and just her level of, you know, trust in God and dependence on him. uh, That is just so encouraging to me as her husband to be able to see that. Um, so she's, she built me up a lot. And so I'd say even for on her side, though, it, it was again, helpful to have people that uh, were willing to care for her and ask her tough questions, uh, as well that maybe I didn't want to ask about ministry going forward or about triggers that are happening, you know, cause it's, it's challenging. It's every time it's bringing up that pain again, but you have to go there. Uh, to really flesh you can't leave anything no stone unturned really you Mm -hmm. you can't leave anything in the dark and so the support team did a great job of asking her uh pretty pointed questions and and difficult questions but doing it in a way that was showing their heart and care for her uh, showing that you know they were there not just for me but they were there for her sometimes Mm -hmm. it felt like even more so and i i was grateful for that that they wanted to make sure that she knew like no we see you melody Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we hear you and we are going to be on your side as well. No matter what goes forward, we're, we're here to support you, not just Seth. And I think that was uh, something that she needed again, stepping into ministry again, um, as the Lord direct us that way was to know that it wasn't just going to be, uh, alright All right, I'll, I'll eyes are back on Seth as the bigger personality and as the pastor, but that she would be consistently cared for going forward. Um, and so that was, that was a huge blessing for her.
0: So much of what we've focused on uh, with the PIR process is relational, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have its practical parts as well. And one of those is the ProD Leadership Assessment uh, that you oh, yeah. and, and Melody worked through. What What was that like for you? What impact did that have?
2: Yeah, that was great. First of all, that's just fun to do. <laughs> yeah. Fun to see, uh, you know, uh, our differences and similarities. Uh, and then even, you know, for my wife, as she, you know, she went to college for one thing, ended up doing something completely different. That's a pretty common story. But then as we looked at her pro D, it was almost like, oh, this makes more sense actually for you. You know, even though she had some intrigue and some desire for something else, uh, really where she is now, she has found such fulfillment in. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a reassurance for her that like, oh yeah, God has created you in this way to thrive in these settings and to thrive with this type of work experience um, and so you don't need to feel like you have to do something that's in line with your degree. You don't have to feel like you have to do something uh, completely different or not work at all. Uh, that's something that we've decided that she's able to still work part-time because uh, again, even in that we've seen like, you know, she really is fit to, to work part-time. Uh, she mm-hmm. is so effective and efficient. And uh, so that on her side, that was extremely beneficial just to, be confirmed in the job that she is she's a paralegal um, and so that has just been uh, honestly a, a blessing for her and then for me it's been uh, equally a blessing to again reaffirm like yeah god has gifted me in certain areas and i'm i'm thankful that he has uh, blessed me with certain things that uh, line up with what a pastoral role would be uh, but not only that then there's there's the little intricacies of the pro assessment that end up coming through Uh, And so like just one brief example for me, and I'm sure people can have a a lot of examples, but one way that it was helpful uh, is just, so first off, it's just the awareness, like having awareness of, of who you are and how you're created and your tendencies then allows you to often overcome or understand better why you're frustrated in a situation and then be able to make the appropriate shift so that you are healthy again in your, in your role. And so for me, uh, I can be highly effective at administrative things, but those things I scored very low on, I think it's called mission. Is that what that one was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it does not give me any fulfillment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm great at accomplishing those tasks. I can organize very well, but man, does it drain me like no other. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I would have never really thought about, you know, it, previously in ministry, I think I just would have felt drained at the end of the day or at the end of the week. And and almost then lump all of ministry together with that and be like, man, it's just, I'm just tired of this. And it is frustrating. I don't feel fulfilled. And now it's almost like I'm able to separate the two. And so I remember early on, starting back uh, at the church full time, I got to the end of a day and I was like, I feel just drained. And I started to think back on, what did I do today? And it was, you know, I'm planning retreats and I'm, mapping out our curriculum for the next year and i'm making sure our systems are in place so that we know how to check in students and follow up with them well And those are great things to do um, but i was like oh i didn't do any i haven't had any relational meetups this week and so literally the next day i'm like i have a lot to do to get prepared but i'm just going to meet up with like two or three people and just go have coffee and disciple in that way. Oh my goodness. By the end of that day, I'm like, I love ministry. Like <laughs> like, just again, so that the pro assessment, what helps me to see to discern, Oh, this is why I'm really fatigued right now in the ministry. So, and then also, okay. The relational aspect of ministry is what really fuels me. So let's prioritize that tomorrow and be okay with not accomplishing some tasks And it just reinvigorated me and allowed me then to be far more effective for the rest of the day anyways. Uh, And so I think that's going to be huge for me going forward is, again, not lumping together frustration and just being like, yeah, all ministry right now just stinks. (laughs) But rather, you know, I think I'm just tired of certain aspects of ministry. And so let me just focus on something else right now that I know God has built in me uh, that will refuel my vision for the church and for the ministry.
1: Mm. So, Seth, what would you like to say to a pastor or a pastor's spouse who is hearing your story and saying, I wonder if the PIR process is for us?
2: I'd say it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I honestly, you know, part of me, as you were asking that question, I was thinking, you know, you could probably say you keep praying about it and seeing. And that's true. And I want to say that that's obviously always good to do that. But I'm also like, I think the PIR process could be for almost any pastor. Uh, almost at any point in their ministry to have that intentional support, to have that intentional uh, space, to, to have people asking questions and to be processing things with safe people. Um, it's just a, a, a healthy way of, of making sure that you're not misplacing your priorities mm. and making sure that as you're uh, moving towards healing and restoration in your own life, whether it's from moral failure or burnout Uh, What I've seen in my own testimony and from the testimonies, of those close to me that have gone through PIR is that PIR simply allows that space to make sure that uh, you are not just counting out ministry or not just assuming ministry is the way forward, but making sure God is the priority and family is healthy and then seeing and just asking with other very godly people, all right, God, what do you have for me next? (laughs) What do you have for my family next? Uh, and I think uh, anyone that participates in a PIR process will find themselves uh, far more blessed than they would be without it. Mm.
0: Seth, it has been such a gift to have you on, to share your story, to, to be so open. Uh, and uh, in that openness to see the, the power of God's grace at work in your life and Melody's life. And mm. uh, I'm sure the life of the church there too, we know that. Um, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to kind of just stop for a moment, consider those who are listening, uh, and, and from uh, a, a pastor's heart, uh, share words of hope. What, what words of hope would you like to share with our listeners today?
2: You know, I think the, the words of a hope I would want to share, um, just reflecting on my own story, is that your identity in Christ is never gone. Honestly, because mm-hmm. that, that is the thing that's going to stay true for any of us, whether you're in ministry or not, um, no matter what season of life we go through, our identity in Christ never sways and never changes. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was something, and I think a lot of pastors uh, and those listening might feel like our identity gets so wrapped up in the ministry sometimes and wrapped up in the people that we're ministering to that we almost lose sight of who we are. And we forget about what God is doing in our own lives and who God has called us to be. And so I just want to encourage, you know, after even having the courage, like, yeah, it goes to the PIR process. But even in doing that, just remember your identity in Christ and really lean into what does that look like for me, no matter what goes forward.
1: Seth, thank you so much for your generosity in uh, coming on the podcast, your time, and just your openness and sharing your story and your heart. Thank you again.
2: Thank you, Sean, and thanks, Tom. It's been a pleasure.
0: As always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us to continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that your hope in Christ is the anchor for your soul. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.